another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. How you doing, Nesbitt? I'm doing good. Can't awesome. wait to do our first live album. First live album. First live album, yep. First live album. And we're going to start off the show with uh, a new segment. We'll get to that in a minute. Yep. And we're going to break down Live After Death, video, and um, and the live album. Right. So we're going to do the video yeah. and the live album at once because we weren't yeah. really sure. Like, I didn't want to do a separate episode on the no. video. We'll just do it all in one thing. Yeah. It's all it's, kind of the same, you know. It's a content. test run for live albums. Yeah. So yeah, see how it goes. Yeah, see how this one goes. And I'm really excited about this week's beer. Oh, right. Not to jump into it too quick, but I do want to get into it. This is the... Um, uh, 15 from Innocent Gun. And I did my uh, post on Facebook with it. Oh, right. That's, yep. That's two in a row. I've, yep. got, a, I've got a social media process down. Um, 15 years in brewing. Double IPA barrel aged. Limited edition. Limited edition? Buy as much as you can. <laughs> so, yeah, barrel aged for 15 years. Yeah, now Innocent Gun is, is a pretty um, big brewery. Um, they're Scottish, I believe, yeah. Edinburgh. Okay. And they, uh, so most people can go ahead and get this. Yep. So most of our listeners can get the 15 from Innocent Gun. Spoiler alert, I've had this and it's excellent. So I I've also had it and I also know it's excellent. Oh, so. damn you, Nisbet. <laughs> Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. Nice. There we go. Smells good. Yeah. Oh, this is excellent. That's really good. This is the first time I've ever had this. <laughs> no, it's not. This is excellent. Yeah, it's good. That's a really good beer. Thumbs up. I like Innocent Gun. For me, their 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 um, best beer is always like a flavored Cascale thing. Like yeah, I always see those to. kind of floating around in the liquor store. And over the years, I've tried a bunch of them. They've always been pretty good. This yeah. one's especially good. But anyway, this is excellent. It's great. So last episode, we kind of mentioned we were thinking about setting up a place on our website where you can go and record a ninety-minute like audio clip. Ninety second. Right, not 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. A 90-second audio clip and yeah. submit it to us. And uh, you know we'll bank them all up and we'll pull them out and play them every now and then. That's right. So we didn't technically launch it yet, but I kind of stuck it up on the site. Yeah. And we got a few Yeah, and I think I've, I posted already. something about it somewhere on social media. Okay, so maybe that's, that's where, where people where heard about it. people at okay. today. Um, so we didn't really even like announce that it's live yet until this episode. We sort of mentioned it. Signed it up just as like a test, and it lets us have like 20 messages a month. Hmm. And uh, at the rate we're going now, we're going to blow through that in no time. So yeah. I just upgraded it. So we should, that shouldn't be a problem, the number of messages. so Yeah, so the concept is if you want to give a shout out, an idea, or perspective, but, you know, go to talkingmain.com slash talk. Have your speaking notes clear. Identify yourself and pretty quickly get to your point, And then we'll use it as a concept for a discussion. You know, you disagree with something we said, that'd be cool. Ooh, if you yeah. have a really funny story, we actually yeah. got one uh, submitted yeah. already. Yeah. You feel free to get on there and just rip the beans out of Nesbitt. <laughs> if you want to say anything that Nesbitt does is stupid, I'm with you 100%. But, you know. So funny stories or it's something you want us to talk about. The other thing we might do is if we get a whole bunch of submissions that are on like a similar topic, Yeah. maybe we'll bank them all and then pull them all out at once and go through them as like a organize an episode around it or something that's right so yeah if you want to uh, submit something we already got a few actually we got a bunch of submissions but yeah. i'm gonna play two of them now just uh, to give you an idea yeah we, well the first one I, I reached out to andrew we mentioned him a bunch of times on the podcast now and he hasn't been on right. so give him the first uh the first go 
And he he chimed in, did he? Yep. So what? here's uh, what he submitted. Hello, Talking Maiden listeners. This is Andrew Dubroy calling in. I am the guy that Josh and Nesbitt talked about in the Maiden London episodes. If you haven't heard that one, I highly recommend you go back and listen because it's a pretty great episode. Uh, so I thought I'd just briefly retell the story from, from my perspective in the, the 90 seconds I have here. So I had been emailing these guys back and forth ever since I discovered the podcast early in 2018. And we had arranged to, to meet up at the birthplace of Iron Maiden at the Cart and Horses on our trips from Canada. I'm coming from Ottawa. They're coming from Newfoundland. So at the Cart and Horses, Josh and Nesbitt, God love you, kept buying me troopers. And we were just having an, an awesome time and talking Maiden. They had the Book of Souls playing at, at the bar, which is pretty cool. And then at the show itself, uh, unfortunately, I had some have some memory blanks from the show and I can't imagine why <laughs> but uh, but it's all good I've got tickets to see four shows this year on the next leg of the tour seeing them in Montreal Quebec City and then twice in Toronto anyway I should probably wrap this up Josh and Nesbitt thanks for the opportunity for, to be on the show uh, you guys do great work you put out awesome episodes every week and I uh, can't wait to meet you again in Toronto to have a, a beer, perhaps three. Nice. So nice. that was our first submission. Perhaps yeah. three. I will stop at three. <laughs> I yeah. like that he uh, left out the sloppiest details of the night I for know. your benefit. <laughs> well, yes. Remember, remember, I, I uh, kept taking off my shirt and I, I was giving it to his girlfriend to hold on to. I was like, "Yeah, just hold my shirt." And she was, she was, a, she was a trooper. Yeah, she oh, yeah, was totally. awesome. Yeah. And uh, but we were all uh, well into it. Yeah, yeah. No, that was deadly. So yeah, uh, with Andrew Dubroy. Andrew, good good yep. call. Thanks, he's Andrew. Our, uh, yeah. One of our biggest yeah. listeners. Yeah, he's been a, a, been in touch for a while. Yep. And um, good friend, good friend. We got this. This is a second submission. Oh, is this from uh, Ayaz? Yeah, this is a great one. Oh, that's excellent. Hi, guys. My name is Ayaz. I'm from A Coruña, in Galicia, Spain. Been listening to your podcast since Christmas Day when I saw a post mentioned in your Blaze Bailey interview episode. I'm 30 years old, and I've been listening to Iron Maiden since 5 or 6 years old, when I went with my father to a city shop to buy a present for my brother's birthday. My father showed me some CDs, and I picked a real one for its cover, the Eddie grabbing the high voltage cable. Since I heard my brother listening to this music, I fell in love with it. My first gig was in 2003, 23rd May in A Coruña. I was 15, year, 15 years old. And that was, that was my first gig of the Give Me Up Till I'm Death World Tour. I went with my brother. That day was very special for me. The set list was incredible. With Die With Your Rule Song, Revelations, Wildest Dreams, Played It For The First Time, Bridge Your Daughter To Slaughter. My favorite album is probably Somewhere In Time, and my top three songs, Power Slave, Wasted Years, and Caught Somewhere In Time. Keep going with your podcast. Like Louis Bailey said, it's probably... The best Iron Maiden podcast in the world. Ah, and Alexander the Brigade is the best theme of this somewhere in time. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! Yeah, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, loves Alexander the Great. Got yep. into it with his uh, with his brother. Right. So a real live yeah. one was his first album. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So he said his first gig was 2003. Uh, Give me Ed till I'm dead tour. So he saw the opening night of that tour, and uh, he was talking about the set list. I got the set list here. It was uh, Number of the Beast Trooper, Die With Your Boots On, Revelation, which was the first time they played Revelations in 18 years, Hallowed Be Thy Name, 22 Acacia Avenue, Wildest Dreams, which is the first time they ever played that live, The Wicker Man, Brave New World, Clansman, Clairvoyant, Heaven Can Wait, Fear of the Dark, Iron Maiden, 
and then bring your daughter to the slaughter two minutes to midnight and run to the hills so it's a great that's uh, an awesome intro to maiden if you're first time seeing a maiden that's show a great set cool. list yeah 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 that was an awesome call i mean uh, two takeaways this guy's deadly and uh secondly uh with a voice like that, stay away from my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, man. I was listening to it, and I, I played that for a few people. Like His accent is awesome. <laughs> no, he's awesome. And um, it's great that we have so many uh, listeners in Spain. And um, I love Spain. I've been to Spain probably about three or four times. I worked on a project there in the Bilbao region. And um, you know, I've been to Madrid a bunch of times. I've never been to Barcelona, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just deadly. Like I love it. So, uh, man, that was an awesome call. i got to yep. get him to do my uh, voicemail. So those are yeah. two great examples too of uh, you know they were yeah. within the ninety seconds. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I'd hate for someone to call in and then be like, you know, they're getting right into an awesome story and then the time cuts off. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you uh, get it in the ninety seconds. Yeah, yeah. Keep it tight. Yeah. And um, the other thing with this segment, so if you're interested in doing it, go to talkingmaiden.com/talk. We can't commit to putting everything on the air. We've already gotten quite a few. Yeah, and, I already uh, have a bunch banked for future yeah. episodes. So. And it's nice to get through, um, you know, uh, a few of them on the air, and maybe we'll do a few, again, maybe episodes kind of focused yeah. on And we might throw out some topics and be like, what does everyone think of this? And then, you know, yeah. something controversial. Yeah. And get some opinions on stuff. Yeah, the key so, thing is get your message tight and yeah. have a bit of fun with and it. And it doesn't work on mobile, so you have to go to a computer yeah. and use your... Yeah, and that's because the, the website, your, your browser on your phone won't be accessed to your microphone. That's just a... Yeah, or it has something to do with, yeah, yeah. whatever yeah. service it is, it doesn't work on mobile. Yes. I don't think it might work on Android, I'm not sure. Yeah, so but do it on anyway. a laptop. Yep. Perfect, that was fun, talkingmaiden.com slash talk. So his very first album that he got into was yeah. a real live one, which is a live album. And my very first album that I ever got into, my first Maiden album, is the album that we're doing today, Live After Death. Yeah. So this is the uh, my cassette of my first Maiden album. Yeah, because you've got the cassette, the CD, yeah. and the and the vinyl here. I also have the DVD and VHS at home. I should have brought them. I didn't uh-huh. think to. This is uh, the actual my first cassette of Maiden I ever got. Wow! So, yeah, you see, it's uh, you take it. All the words are rubbed off the tape. It's, it's, flipping it. it's, it's been played. It's yeah. been played. Let's just say if this was an old Playboy magazine, I wouldn't touch it. <laughs> you've, you've had your hands on that. You know, I've gotten some use. Yeah. You've used it. Yeah, that, so, that's got some mileage on that one. Live after death. Yeah. Produced by Martin Birch, released October 14th, 1985. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do the, we said that before, but the video and the album all as, like, one. Um, you know, it's all from the same tour and from the same four shows. Well, we'll get into later. It's not all from the same four shows, but... Uh, yeah, it's basically the, um, I mean, it's it's a summary of the set list from the, the Power Safe tour. Yeah, the World and, Slavery Tour. Which there was, was a bit of change leading up to this like well i'll get into all that too but uh this is pretty standard for this leg of the tour and this is their biggest tour ever wasn't it yeah we when we covered the power slave album was 189 or 192 shows or whatever we tried to figure out yeah so one other thing to note is that the album and the video are completely different so if you listen to the songs on the album and you listen to the songs on the video they're totally different they're not the same live shows because you hear people on line sometimes and they're like this is they must have overdubbed this because this doesn't sound like this and i listen to the album but then when i listen to the video and i see them do it it sounds totally different i'm like you're watching two totally different performances yeah yeah but this is an amazing live album you're basically hearing like the biggest metal band in north america at the peak of their popularity like it's just amazing and bruce sounds awesome awesome energy engages the crowd like crazy 
a lot of big bands, I find like sometimes they don't engage the audience, but Bruce kind of like pulls you in and make, you know how he makes you feel like you're part of the show. So I actually have a clip of Bruce from an interview from 1984. And they expect to be entertained and they expect us to give them our attention because they after all did pay to come and see the show. They didn't pay to see us get off on ourselves. I mean, I think a lot of artists go around as if they got a huge mirror taped this far away from their faces and that's all they notice throughout the whole show. They pull all these poses and all the shapes and, you know, throw star moodies and wobblers and everything. And they, they don't do it to the audience. They're doing it for the benefit of themselves. I've seen bands play Iron Maiden. It's better than we do. <laughs> but not really go down. And they're, they're playing fantastically. Every guitar is playing a million notes to the minute, you know, faster than Eddie Van Halen on, you know, Angel Dust or whatever. And, um... They're still not going down, and it gets loud, and they're still not going down. And they, nobody has yet actually spoken to the audience, or looked the audience in the face, or done anything. You know, they're already at Madison Square Gardens, half these people, thinking they're in a big arena, and they're in a little club. So, yeah, Bruce actually makes a point to, like, engage the audience. And he really, you, you know, when you hear this album, and we've seen him live a bunch of times, and Maiden really does a good job of that. Yeah. Of, like, pulling the audience into the show, which I think is cool. And it really comes through on this album. Yeah. Which is why I think it's so classic of a live album. Yeah, now that you mention it, he does, you know, he always talks to the audience through the sets and he introduces the songs, but then usually he tells a few stories in various stages. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't really thought about how much that, that not every, not every band does that. Yeah. I know. I've seen bands before where they're up there performing, but they don't really engage. They're just kind of doing their thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I never really even thought about it that way. Yeah. Interesting perspective. Yeah, that's absolutely a great thing about Maiden. That's why they're such a. I think that's why they're such a great. The fans love the band so much. Yeah, and this is that that peak um, of their power in a sense. As you talked, as you mentioned, it was the right time for the tour. It's their biggest tour. It's yep. probably the, the the most globally popular they were. But it's also like peak. 80s metal spandexy time. Oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. the best. For it's the... awesome. The stage set and everything. Yeah, it's awesome. So, most of these songs are the first versions that I've ever heard of the songs, and this is a lot of like because this was my first album, the live version. So I heard this album. I think I had heard probably, you know, the hits. You know, Run to the Hills. I can't remember. I probably heard a few songs by Maiden before I got this album, but this mm. was like my introduction. So these versions of the songs to me. Are the like first ones I ever heard? Yeah, when, when approximately was it released? And and you know, did you buy it new at the time, or did you get it? Because I mean, you'd have been pretty young. I wouldn't have bought. I didn't get it in '85. I got no. it in like years later. I was in yeah. high school. I think grade. I think I was in grade. Because you'd only been a kid then. Nine I mean. or ten. Yeah. Yeah. When well, I got it, which yeah. would have been at least five years after this. Yeah. Came out. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't. I wasn't one of the people that was in the maiden and when this came out I got this like years out I kind of knew who Maiden was knew a few songs then I got this album and I can't even remember how I got it but I'm pretty sure I didn't buy it myself someone must have given it to me or something oh whoever that person was <laughs> what it's a, weird I can't remember isn't that crazy that yeah. person was like you know what I'm just gonna give Nesbitt this I was like <laughs> and it's like the guy who gave Cobain his first joint <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah but uh yeah totally <laughs> but um it's cool because this is also the first live Maiden you know, it's the first live album. Like yeah. they've had, they had EPs. Remember, we went through yeah. Live Plus One and Made in Japan. We did stuff, Made in Japan. Yeah, that's not technically a live I mean, album because they're EPs. Even the Sandos tapes would mean yeah. they even count. And this is the first time you fans, I think, ever heard Bruce doing Paul songs. Yeah. Right. Like they released that single of Remember Tomorrow, but that wasn't authentic 
Remember they went into the studio and overdubbed a live vocal over Paul's performance? That's right. Yeah. So it was kind of a fake live Bruce doing Paul. But this is the first time that people had heard like Bruce Dickinson doing the Paul songs. Yeah, unless they'd been to a show. Unless they'd been to a show, of course, yeah. Yeah. So it, produced by Martin Birch, he did Deep Purple's Made in Japan, where Maiden got the like Made in Japan EP. Yeah. It was kind of a joke. So yeah, this is the first full Maiden live release, live album. But it's not the first one they recorded, because they did Beast Over Hammersmith. So three years before this, they recorded a full live album and a full live concert video. March 20th, 1982, they recorded Beast Over Hammersmith. Um, they recorded the whole thing. It was supposed to be released in VHS around the same time. And Steve Harris wasn't happy with the video quality. I watched an interview with Bruce, and he said that Dave Lights, their like lighting guy, and the camera crew were kind of in a war. Tried to figure out exactly what he was talking about. I'm assuming that Dave Lights wanted to look cool for the audience. And the lighting crew probably wanted like everything jacked up so they could capture it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. And but, adjust uh, the picture quality and editing. But it didn't come out very well. And if you watch the History of Iron Maiden Part 1, the early days DVD, yeah. they released it on there, and it does look pretty crappy. Yeah. And if you want this to be your first live video release, it, that I mean, it looks horrible. So The Beast Over Hammersmith, which which uh, show was that? What what tour was that? That 82? Or 82? That would have been Beast on the Road. Beast on the Road. 1982, okay. yeah. Yeah. So they finally released it in November 2002, 20 years later. Yeah, that's right. So they recorded it in 82, released it in 2002, yeah. in that Eddie's archive box set. That's right. We've met, brought that up a few times. Yeah. And it's really awesome. It's a really, really, it's one of Maiden's best live albums. But that came out, it was recorded three years before this, but they kind of sat on it for 20 years. Yeah. But this is the first one that they released, so. Yeah, so this is their first yeah. real live full album. You know how they re-recorded some of the old songs with Bruce? Yeah. The Prowler 88 and all those ones? If you want Bruce doing Paul era songs, go to Beast over Hammersmith because he does 11 Diano era songs and seven songs from Beast. So he does almost the whole album. No Invaders, no Gangland, but they do totally clips. So they do like all that content. It's an awesome, awesome concert. But uh, it was never ever released until 2002. So... Oh, cool. Yeah, so technically that's their first live album that they recorded. Yeah. But I guess nobody knew about it. Yeah, I remember we when we talked about that uh, being released later, but I never, until now, I never really put it in the context that it was their first, you know, full live. They just waited to release it. Yeah. Interesting. It, it's weird that they recorded it, and because the video wasn't very good, they shelved it. Yeah. But the audio is awesome. I don't know why they didn't put it out as like a double live audio album. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder. It seems strange that they just decided to shelve both of it yeah especially since i mean you know i'd love to look at the numbers back then but you would estimate that like a vhs would probably be like a th you know a third or a tenth of the sales that you get from an album yeah i you would know? assume that album would be most of your yeah sales, and i don't so. remember like it's weird they sat on it for so long yeah we never really i was never really into concert videos as a kid I'd oh man i've got a you've seen my shelf in my shed yeah. that's like vhs tapes yeah. I've got like a wall of VHS tapes of concert videos of like really? everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I've got a bunch of uh, bootleg James Addiction ones and stuff that I like scoured all over the place for. <laughs> That's cool. So I still have the VHS in the shed. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have one. Oh, no? Yeah. Well, I, I still wasn't a, I was a huge VHS collector anyway. Oh, no. I was with concert videos, but that was, you know, pretty much it. Mm. So this was the first live release that was actually released. So this was recorded on the World Slavery Tour in 1985. Work slave by day, then power slave by night. 
93 QFM and Miller High Life Concerts present Iron Maiden at the Mecca Arena. Wednesday, December 19th. Special guest, Twisted Sister. Tickets are on sale now. Welcome to Miller Time. That's awesome. Yeah. So I love that guy. He's a work slave by day, power slave by night. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. I'm going to say that all the time That's now. That's deadly. <laughs> work slave by day, power slave. That should be like, I should put that on my business cards. <laughs> yeah, work slave by day, podcast slave by night. <laughs> so deadly. World Slavery Tour, we went over this in the Power Slave episode. Remember uh, by saying it's a huge, grueling tour. It was like ironmaiden.com. You mentioned this earlier. It says 187 dates. Setlist FM says 188. Wikipedia says 189. I figured out where the 189 comes from, the extra one. On Wikipedia, they have a fifth Hammersmith date on 13th of October, which is not, it doesn't, didn't happen. Uh, I looked in ironmaiden.com, Setlist FM. I looked in a bunch of my Maiden books. And in the album notes for this album, they list the concert dates. And there's no fifth Hammersmith night. So that's where the extra one came from. Remember, we were trying to figure that out during the oh, Power Slave. Okay. Um, also, the first edition of the Running Free Gary Bushel, that book. Yeah. Um, that was written post-Power Slave album, but pre-World Slavery Tour. The first edition was. And they mentioned four dates at Hammersmith. And that was before the tour started. So there's, that's the fifth one. So I'm going to go with 188. So there's 188. Yeah. In 331 days. In the World, world Slavery Tour. And then... Okay, so thank God we cleared that up because <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I thought it yeah. was one ninety two slash one eighty nine. We had to, that makes sense. We had a discussion of it in uh, the Power Slave episode and yeah, couldn't we figure it out. And then I just happened to notice because the Hammersmith shows are what part of this album is actually taken from the Hammersmith shows. Yeah. So when I looked that up, I saw the fifth one on Wikipedia, and I was like, that can't be right. Yeah. That's how I figured. Well, it out. I, I thought it was a really grueling tour, but I mean, it was only 188 shows. <laughs> I mean, should we even bother doing this disc now, you know? So the first show was in Warsaw, Poland in August 9th, 1984. And uh, that Behind the Iron Curtain video was recorded over the first 10 days of the tour of Poland, Hungary, and Yugoslavia. And this tour, too, this is the one where they played their first Rock in Rio. Mm. They played, uh, yeah, that was 350,000 people. Yeah, I wonder what that was yeah. like. They eh? opened for Queen. You're, yeah. you're just like, did, was there free flow of people? Did you have to show up and be like, you know, I don't know much about, yeah. Yeah. 1985. Because they played it again in 2001. That's when the Rock and Real concert video came from. Yeah. And they played it again in 2013. And 2019, this year, October 4th of 2019, they're playing it again for the fourth time. Wow. So, yeah, they have a history of playing Rock and Rios. So it's a pretty crazy, hectic schedule. If you look at the tour dates, there's a lot of like three nights in a row, four nights in a row. There's a few five nights in a row streaks, which is pretty like grueling. I can't imagine like singing for two hours on stage the way Bruce does for five nights in a row. Like it must be hard on the voice, right? I don't know. I mean, you know, when I was 25, I, I could be drunk for five days in a row. Yeah, know? I know. But still, it's or different. even like Nico drumming, like that's a workout, man. Well, I mean, he was, he was like 28. Yeah, but still, like it's, it's you'd have to be, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old you are, man. That's a... That's grueling. <laughs> I don't know. He came in just like, dude, get up. I can't do another super sold out rock show, man. <laughs> I think he'd pull through it. But yeah, no, it is. It is tough. To operate at this level, though, because yeah. Bruce isn't just going to go out there and stand in front of the mic stand and be like, you know, That's tell true. me why I have to be a power slave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I am an actual power slave. <laughs> yeah. 
So they did four dates in a row. They sold out Hammersmith, October 8th, 9th, 10th, and 12th. That's for, not four days in a row, but four shows in a row. Yeah. Uh, they did five in a row at Radio Music. They did five in a row at Radio City Music Hall in New York, January 17th, 18th, 19th, 20, and 21. Wow. So they were, you know, selling out like crazy. In that Running Free book by Gary Bushel that I talked about, he said two more were planned for Radio City Music Hall in New York. So that would have been seven nights in a row. But they canceled the last two and the two after it. I think Bruce was having like vocal problems or something like that. Yeah. But uh, pretty intense tour. That's crazy. So they totally like were burned out. So by the time they were done the tour, they're totally getting burnt out on the road. And when the tour was done, they kind of needed a break because it was just crazy. Right. I got a quote from Bruce. He says, it was the best tour we ever did. And it was the worst. And it nearly finished us off for good. And I got another one from Steve Harris. He says, two hours of Maiden five nights a week for 12 months. That's enough to put you in the funny farm. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, like. The lifestyle too, like hotel, bus, plane, whatever. Like you're just. Like, can you imagine the encore when you start off like Run to the Hills? It might just be like Groundhog Day. Yeah. You know, every the, day would be the, the same. The 160th yeah. time run. Yeah. And imagine the, the flights and the bus rides and like. Oh my God. The hotel room after hotel room after hotel room. How would you be... even get time to just, you just want to be like, oh my God, can I just Netflix and chill for a day? Yeah. <laughs> but there's, yeah. there's none. Can, can I VCR and chill? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Nico said, uh, we were doing four shows on the trot, then one day off. Four shows on the trot, one day off. I think there were a couple of times we did five shows running on that tour. It was insane. And by the end, we were all completely burned out. When you get to that stage, it's just not fun anymore. I mean, it nearly destroyed the band. So, I can imagine. So they need a break, and to buy some time, they release a live album. So they take six months off after the tour. Uh-huh. And this is kind of like a stopgap, so they can just, like, recharge. Yeah, I think right. the six months actually turned out to be four months after. Yeah, and we talked about this, uh, I think, at the beginning of the Summer in Time album. Yeah. Like, basically, yeah. that they had to wait a while to get back, you know, kind of get the groove back. Yeah, get there, yeah. And yeah. Bruce's head was not right after that tour. He was just like... I can imagine. Yeah. So, they played four nights in a row. We're talking about all these multiple date, you know, multiple dates in a row at the same venue. So they played four nights at Long Beach, California, March 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th of 1985. And that is where most of the live after death stuff comes from. So that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. And Twisted Sister was opening. You heard that in the clip. Yeah. So these four nights at Long Beach, that's where the video and the audio album that's the bulk of come it. from. Yeah. Okay. So the set list for those four shows was the same every night. So they did Open with Aces High. Two Minutes to Midnight, Trooper, Revelations, Flight of Icarus, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, Power Slave. Then there's a guitar solo mm-hmm. by Dave Murray. The Number of the Beast, Hallowed Be the Name, Iron Maiden, Run to the Hills, Running Free, and Sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and there's a lot of similarities now with the Legacy of the Beast tour. Huge yeah. amount of overlap. Ace is high, Two Minutes to Midnight, Trooper, Revelations is back. Yeah. Um, Flight of Icarus, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, Iron Maiden, The Number of the Beast, Hallow Be the Name, and Run to the Hills. I think I counted there I never really nine. put it together before, but that is a huge overlap. You're right. Nine yeah. tracks, you know, out of the 16 that are there now. Yeah. So if you if you love this album and you miss, like, the Revelations, Flight of Icarus, I mean, you know, Hallow Be the Name, these, these, all these core tracks that are not as commonly played. When we broke down Legacy of the Beach, we talked about a, a few of them had just kind of reappeared, Revelations yeah. and Flight of Icarus specifically. Power Slave disappeared yeah. for a while, too. Yeah, it did, but um, that's not on the current tour. No, not on the current tour. Yeah, yeah. But we saw but it was the Power Slave before. was on Book of Souls. Yeah, on Book right? of Souls, right. So, yeah, that's, um, 
Yeah, man, what a what a what a list. It's a cool set list. Yeah, I get lost. for the time when you think that they only had the albums up to Power Slave. Yeah, like they're playing a lot of. Uh, I get I get lost for words on the set list. Uh, you know that track from. Power yeah, Slave. but not for these four shows. Oh, okay. So okay, the, the, that's the set list for these four Long Beach shows. Yeah. So the album cuts the guitar solo by Dave Murray mm. and Sanctuary, and the VHS and the DVD cut the guitar solo, but they include Sanctuary at the end. Yeah. And like part of what makes this such a great live album is like the set list is just like awesome you think 85 maiden i mean what else would you add children of the damned maybe yeah uh which when lost for words they dropped that after november 1984 but it was in the set list you're right and 22 acacia avenue uh was also at the beginning of the tour they dropped it after i think they did halifax and quebec city shows and then they dropped it for the rest of the north america leg and uh, occasionally on the tour, they also played Phantom of the Opera, Children of the Damned, Wrath Child, Die With Your Boots On, and Murders in the Room Org. Yeah. So they did change up the set list a little bit. But these four Long Beach shows are the set list that we just went over. That's excellent. Deadly set list. Yeah. So they, Dave Murray, so when they came out of Power Slave, um, and they're about to go into Ancient Mariner, Dave Murray used to take a guitar solo, which got cut from the album and video. And I can kind of see why, like you're listening to a live album. The intensity of this album is just like awesome. And you don't want to hit like a, a guitar solo and just, you know, yeah. Kind of, it'd be kind of a bit of a, I don't know, a momentum killer. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's already a long enough album anyway. That's the other thing. How are you going to fit it on a double live? It's already a double live album. Yeah. They already cut a bunch of banter and a bunch of stuff out. They even cut uh, Running Free. There's a bunch of crowd work that they cut. This cassette version, the uh, version of... Running free on this has most of that crowd work cut out. It's like an edited version because I had to make space. Wait, now, you're not telling me during Running Free, Bruce was trying to get the crowd going. <laughs> yeah. What? On this very album? So I have a bunch of bootlegs from these Long Beach shows. Yeah. And I'm just going to play the guitar solo from Dave Murray because I don't think very many people even know that he used to play this. So when you're listening to Live After Death, when he comes out of Power Slave, he kind of extends the theme of Power Slave. You know, the end yeah. of Power Slave is like do no 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 no. This is right and then before he, that the really cool intro to Number of the Beast, which I want to talk about after. So this comes out of Power Slave. Yeah. And then Dave Murray goes into this. So that was basically Dave Murray's solo, but I chopped it down from like five and a half minutes to yeah. what you just heard because even I, I can see why they lifted off the album. It's a lot of like just like noodling around on guitar. Yeah. But you did the national anthem in there. You heard that. So that was the edited version. At the very end of this episode, I will put, because it's from a bootleg, I'm just going to tack the full Dave Murray solo on right at the very end. Yeah. So at the end of this episode you can hear if you want to hear dave murray play, noodle around on the guitar for five minutes dave murray noodle a little bit in the smile <laughs> yeah. it's just one of those natural breaks that's um yeah that's there the one of the coolest things though i think is that they when they come out of it i love the uh i just really like in the video especially like the dark and lights and just i don't know i mean it's they don't do anything special but the number of the beast intro they play it over the oh, speakers yeah. i just it's love cool. that that'd be so cool in the concert right yeah it's mm. yeah it's an awesome set list 
So it was a double live album, like you said, and that's basically why they start cutting stuff like that. So the first three sides of the vinyl are from the Long Beach show that we just talked about. The fourth side of the vinyl is from Hammersmith. So they played October 8th to the 12th, 1984. So five months before the Long Beach shows, they recorded these Hammersmith shows. And that is the... Here, I got so the vinyl the encore, here. is it? No, it's just size four, side four. So it's Wrath Child, 22 Acacia Avenue, Children of the Damned, Die With Your Boots On, and Phantom of the Opera. So it's songs from this tour that were cut from the set list by the time they got to Long oh, Beach. Oh, really? I don't... Like, on my... Yeah, because I've been playing this... I, well, I, in prep for this, I watched the video yeah. multiple times. I made my notes off that. Yeah. So they're not on the video. But, but I'm sure... Are they on the, the cloud-based uh, set list? So the... They probably are. I don't remember them. So the cassette and the CD... Yeah. Uh, the CD that I the, the single CD yeah. didn't have that this is the double CD the two CD set that I have here nice. and the CD two is these songs oh, cool. but the cassette see how on the side of the cassette it says double cassette yeah it's like a regular <laughs> cassette but it's a double cassette yeah. you know one of those guitars it's like <laughs> a double guitar <laughs> so but they don't make any distinction that you're hearing something different it just kind of you wow. know what I mean so Wrath Child 22 K so they had some space and they threw some to make a double, yeah. Cool. Because I guess they wanted to kind of cover those songs that they cut from the set list. You might notice, if you didn't know, you might notice that those last few songs, Bruce's voice sounds way better. Yeah. Because it has like five months less vocal cord shreddage. Shreddage. <laughs> shreddage. Maximum shreddage. Yeah. Like if you listen to Children of the Damned, uh, his voice is awesome. So those are recorded at Hammersmith. The same place that recorded Beast over Hammersmith. But yeah. Yeah. So um, if you had it on CD, like I said... It was a second disc. If you bought it as a single CD, it didn't have those songs. But if you bought the two CD set. It's funny that if they had that Hammersmith recording, if they weren't... It's funny how they grouped everything together in California, even though the audio between the video and the album, you you know, they didn't completely overlap. Then it's funny they didn't use the best they had from Hammersmith for the... Well, that's the thing. Okay, so Steve originally wanted to record the whole thing at Hammersmith. But then he thought they were playing better by the time they got to Long Beach. I actually have a, a clip from him talking about that. Now, lads, this is the big day, isn't it? Today, the new album is actually released, Live After Death, a live double album, right? Now, side one, side two, and side three come from the Long Beach Arena in California, and with side four from the Hammersmith Odeon here in London about this time last year. How did it actually come about, that idea? Well, we want everybody to be called, you know, all of it from Hammersmith, because it's home. But, uh... You know, we ended up sort of recording three sides of it from LA because by that time, you know, October was when we recorded Hammersmith. And then some March came around in LA, we were just playing that bit better, I think, um, most of the numbers anyway. Plus, it's quite nice because, I mean, there's, there's, they're, they're all actually quite old songs on the last side. I mean, not off, I'm not really sure whether I'll see you lot play those songs too often again. Yeah. Well, in Europe, we can get away with playing a lot of old stuff, you know, um, because everyone knows them, you know, but like in America, the first album wasn't, you know, we didn't tour with that and all that, so they don't know the early songs so much. So that kind of explains why they dropped a bunch of those songs from the set list. Because he's like, in Europe, they can play the older songs, but in America, they kind of have to play the hits. Hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, you know, the U.S. is where you're trying to showcase. Also, it's it's easy to say that, like, you know, as if you're almost projecting something. But the truth is, is America, when you're doing that tour, that's make or break you globally. Yeah. At, at the prom- you want to play your best, yep. most resonating things. Yeah. And it's your first yeah. live album. You don't want to stick a bunch of obscure stuff on there. No. Yeah. You want to do that now. Yeah. That you're established. But like if you're trying to break, 
you're really looking to hammer people with hits for your first live album. Absolutely. So in 1995, they reissued the CD with a with a bonus CD that had "Lost for Words" from Hammersmith, "Sanctuary" from Long Beach, and "Murders in the Rue Morgue" from Hammersmith. So if you have this 1995 reissue with the bonus CD, you get like a live version of every single song they played on the tour, even the ones that were like occasionally played and then dropped, except for the guitar solo. But I mean that guitar solo. I don't think you'd want a version of that guitar solo. <laughs> well, or you could listen to the end of this episode. That's true. Brought to you by Talking Maiden. Right. So that's the... <laughs> so that was a cool release to get that 95 CD, which I don't have. But if you have that, you have everything. So that's kind of cool. They kind of completed the whole tour recordings with that. But the fact that they have all those Hammersmith shows recorded, like I can't imagine the archive that Maiden must have of recorded shows. I wish they would just start, like, even releasing them digitally, like oh flack goodness. files, like, once a month, boom, here's your Maiden show, here's a classic Maiden show, you know what I mean? Yeah. They can do it forever. do that? Maybe oh. after they break up, they'll start doing it to... Yeah. Is there going to be a museum? Oh, Soul Sidetrack. I want to talk about that some okay. other time. We need to do an episode. Is there going to be a Maiden Museum? They should stage? do a Maiden Museum. They, they should. need to do Well, it. the curtain horses. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, a proper museum. With all their stage sets yeah. and stuff in it, and you walk through it, that'd be awesome. Oh, my God. Anyway... So that's the CD and the vinyl album, and the cassette, I guess. There's also the concert video. So they recorded two of the four nights on video for the Live After Death concert video. Um, from Mick Wall's book, he says that they recorded two nights, and Steve Harris says they recorded video of two nights. And uh, so it came out on VHS and Betamax, and a few years later it came out on Laserdisc. So I don't have the Betamax. I actually bought the Laserdisc version on the internet but mm. the the guy wouldn't respond after i bought so i had to cancel the sale or whatever but i almost had the laser disc of uh live after death even what though i don't have a laser disc player I what do you do with cool. the laser disc is it I like put it on my shelf you put it on your <laughs> shelf excellent next to the vhs and the dvd yeah and the vinyl and the cassette sent, and the cd that guy could have just <laughs> sent you any laser disc with the, the right picturing on it you wouldn't know the difference yeah i have no way to play it right that's true that's true i don't have a laser disc player but anyway no i thought it'd be funny but I never got the Betamax for the collection. <laughs> oh, God. So the concert video is completely different recording from the album versions, which is kind of cool because, I mean, you buy the album and then you get the video and you're getting different versions of the songs, which is cool. Yeah. So one thing that people are always talking about is when did, like, what night did the actual recordings come from? Yeah, so this is a real debate online. A lot of people have been trying to line it up. Right. And... Uh, I think I got it all yeah. figured out. So exclusive here on talking Maiden. for for people like me who yeah. who don't know or care um, <laughs> you're gonna break down for us where the actual recordings have come right from. is that okay. correct yeah i think so yeah so and meanwhile i'll go ending, through it quick okay. ending the debate eternally that you have any life at all <laughs> carry That's on true. okay i am blaze bailey you're listening to talking maiden the podcast of the beast Possibly the best podcast in the world. So they played four nights at Long Beach, March 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So start on Thursday, end it on Sunday. Um, so the, the, like I said, the audio and the video are different. I tried as hard as I could to figure out when each track was recorded. So I have some bootlegs of those nights. And I compared versions and read online and 
So this is what I found out. So I'm going to go for the video first. Yes. I'm only talking about the video, not the album right now. Yes. So as far as the video goes, it recorded on the 15th and the 16th. So that's the Friday and Saturday. Um, basically, you have Bruce Dickinson saying a whole bunch of stuff in the banter in the video. So he says this. said friday that was a giveaway so that's a clue that, that <laughs> when he said it's friday night in los angeles tonight yeah <laughs> not that, last night when, when he said that i that's when i got it so 100 percent, the 15th is one of the nights this is from the video right one of the two nights yes and then if you compare the bootlegs you, you can come you can compare the audio on the thing to the bootleg from the 16th and the 16th is the other night so and in the bootleg of the 16th bruce says he says, we're making a kind of video thing tonight. It's going on sale all over the world as the Iron Maiden video. So he says that during the concert on the 16th. Nice. So according to everything I read, they recorded two nights for the video. It's got to be the 15th and the 16th. So yeah. it's nights two and three. And I also read online, a lot of people point to the waste, 12 Wasted Years documentary, which came out in 1987. And in that, it shows them playing at Long Beach. And they're playing The Trooper and The Number of the Beast. And it says it's Saturday, March 16th. But that's not actually true at all. It's mislabeled on the 12 Wasted Years VHS, which I watched in my shed this week. Oh my so God. if you analyze the tracks and the banter that Bruce says and compare it and everything, if you analyze the music compared to the bootlegs, yeah. those are from the 15th, not the 16th, even though it says March 16th on the 12 Wasted Years bootleg on the screen while showing the footage. Do you realize that someone watched that video this week, didn't catch that, and feels like such yeah, a Or probably watched right it now. in 1987. <laughs> You feels like such an idiot. Don't worry. There's there's a support group for you out there. <laughs> so the trooper is from night number two, which is the fifteenth yeah. Friday, and from his banter through the video, he says this before the trooper. of mind album and tour I think down here in Long Beach Arena. Gonna do a song for you now if that album. The song's called The Trooper! So Bruce basically says it's, you know, night number two, which will be the Friday the 15th. Um, and if, if you listen to it, it's like, the audio on the video doesn't match the 16th, so I have a bootleg of the 16th and you play the audio against what's on the video hmm. and it's not, uh, it doesn't match up. So the 12 Wasted Years documentary is not right. <laughs> so I have a bootleg of the show from the 16th. Compared every song on the DVD to the 16th. And by process of elimination and matching up the banter and the guitar solos. I can confirm that from the 16th on the video, Ace is High, Two Minutes to Midnight, Flight of Icarus, and Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner are from the 16th. And from the 15th is Trooper, Revelations, Power Slave, Number of the Beast, Hallowed, Iron Maiden, Running Free, and Run to the Hills. So most of the Live After Death video is from Friday, March the 15th. Okay. So that's... There you go. I figured out where every song from the concert video is from. 
Excellent. So now the audio album. Oh, shoot, finally. So Steve Harris says the album is from one night. Yeah. He says, we only taped two nights of the four. We thought that if we buggered it up anywhere, we could use stuff from both nights. But I think we ended up using stuff from one night. Basically, the album is just us going for it on one particular night. No overdubs or nothing, which we'll get to after. So if that's true, it's got to be the fourth night, since you hear Bruce say this in Running Free. So he says fourth night Long Beach and he refers to the last night as Saturday night. So this is from Sunday the 17th for sure. So on, so the 17th is the main source for the audio album. And on the bootleg for the 17th, Bruce says, oh, Long Beach Arena, this is the fourth night of Iron Maiden's little residency down here in Southern California. And also this is the night when we're actually recording this concert for the live transmission around the world. And you nice people out there are going to be the definitive Iron Maiden double live album that's going to be out sometime. And a lot of the banter matches up with the 17th. So I think it's mostly from the 17th, March 1985. So there's four nights in Long Beach. The second and third, they shoot video. And the second is the bulk of the video. And then the fourth night, the final night, is the bulk of the audio yeah. for the album. Right. I don't actually have a bootleg of the 17th. I don't have a full bootleg of the 17th. Yeah. Which is I had. I thought I did. But when I listened to it, it turns out it's just people were ripping the like track from the VHS and like putting it as a bootleg of the show okay so you still can't tell because you know that doesn't solve anything i did i did my own detailed analysis of the video (laughs) and i came back with the spandex suits are really cool (laughs) and their hair is awesome i know i'm getting a little deep but people are actually like you can go on forums and people are like with pages and pages of people trying to figure this out so uh through elimination and comparing it to the video soundtrack and the bootlegs that i do have i'm 99 percent sure that the album live after death is mostly from the 17th yeah. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't match up with the bootlegs that I have. So through elimination, it's a 17th for the album. That, that's that's pretty detailed. That's good yeah. stuff. And you, <laughs> you coordinated all that up. I got to say, like, you know, you're married with kids and your your wife is awesome. Yeah. But as your friend, if you were not married, to, I'd, be, I'd be like turning off the mic. I'd be like, okay, Nesbitt, calm down here now, buddy. Yeah. My wife was away on a trip for the last 10 days. Yeah. So I basically was putting the kids to bed. You're at like eight o'clock, and then I had like I basically just like dug into live after death until I went to sleep. <laughs> You're super geeking out. So I spent yeah a good a good few hours involved in research for this podcast. Yeah, so I um you know I'm not a uh, yeah I, I I haven't listened to this album a ton. I didn't yeah. I didn't have it uh, really. I you know it's in my MP3 collection. I don't own the vinyl. Uh, I listened to it and watched. Well, largely I just watched the video in the run up to this. Yep. And, you know, I know the set list inside and out, obviously. But, you know, I, I, when I, as soon as I started watching it, I realized it's the source of so many famous Maiden clips over the years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The but, scream man, for me, Long Beach. Oh, definitely. But the um, what I love about it, man, I just love the whole everything. Like, the, the, just the, the look, the band. They're so young. The spandex. They're, like, oh, yeah. acting right tough. Even though, like, oh, yeah. you know them. You know, they're, like, it's just, it's perfect. Yeah, it's classic Maiden. 
at like a classic phase and it's a classic album cover so the yeah. cover art it's uh derek riggs i think this is one of my all-time favorite yeah. maiden covers you have a big canvas of that too. i do i have a big canvas of that on my uh, dining room wall at the house yeah it's just i don't know i love this album cover the the vinyl you have there that's not the original that's not an original issue is it that's like no a that's re-release. a reissue yeah, yeah the right. reissue uh because I've seen that out quite a bit. Yep. Gotta pick that one up. Oh, it's awesome. So this is actually the second version of the uh, the cover. This, the first version of the cover is... I'll show you here. So, yeah. Is that on the original vinyl? No, but that was the original painting. So I read it in... Sucks. Yeah, I know. I read that book, uh, Run for Cover, The Art of Derek Riggs. Yeah. And Derek Riggs says, this is the second version of this one. For the first version, the manager wanted Eddie thrusting out of the grave straight at the viewer. I tried that, and just as I said at the time that did that, dynamics completely didn't work. Derek Riggs mentions that like all the time, that he warned him that it wouldn't look right to have Eddie coming out of the grave. But he did it anyway, and he said he didn't really like it. And then he painted it with oils, and they tried to photograph it, and there's too much like shine. So they told him to redo it. And then he got to redo it the way he wanted. And then you got like this cover, oh which God. is... Anyone that wants to see it, look online and like Google... Uh, Live after death alternate cover, and it's like Eddie. It looks like a, I don't know, a Disney character. Or and something. I'll put it out it's on super Facebook. lame. I'll throw yeah, it do on it. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of he's just saying like, he's like, I got to repaint it in acrylics the way I wanted to, the only way the picture would work. So he's kind of he's saying like, I told you so, and he was totally right. Like he redoes it the way he wants, and comes up with one of the most iconic covers ever. You know, they they don't deserve him. Like he's he's a weird guy. Like why do they keep doing this? Like, I know. Like now, they, is, yeah. like that, they almost got stuck with anyone go to our Facebook and see this, this cartoony nonsense. Yeah, it looks like garbage. And this the so cover badass. they have is the best oh, cover. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it, you know, it is objectively one of the best main Oh, yeah, covers. it's cool. Well, no that's question. the reason I have the gatefold. Yeah. If you unfold the gatefold so that you have the Eddie on the right and then you have the whole, like, graveyard of the city, I've got that in, like, Canvas. on the wall in my house. Nice. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah. So there's a bunch of little details, you know, he hides stuff in there. I have a quote from him from that same book. It says, On the far right in the grass, there are, those are magic mushrooms. They were growing all over London at the time because some hippies had seeded the public parks with magic mushroom spores. So I stuck some in. Cool. Go so ahead. I just love the uh, color scheme of the whole thing, the blue and yellow. Yeah, it's a deadly color. Yeah. Here's a little tidbit about the gravestone. It's a H.P. Lovecraft quote, and it says, That is not dead which can eternal lie, yet with strange eons even death may die. So that quote pops up somewhere else in metal. And I'm going to play, play it for you. It's from one of my favorite metal songs of all time. track um the things that should not be right Right, the thing that should not be it's from master puppets right yeah that's awesome so that was recorded that has one of the best guitar riffs on that album. oh yeah it's so heavy yeah that's super heavy such a great album you actually have that on vinyl it's at your place yeah yeah it's not a great copy of the vinyl it's just a so yeah metallica (laughs) was recording master puppets september to december of 1985 and this came out october 1985 right in the middle of when they're recording 
I have no idea, but I know they're a Maiden fan, so I wonder if they're doing this as like a tribute. I wonder if they saw this cover and decided to put it into a song. I don't know. Ooh, Metallica. There's another awesome. thing. We actually got a uh, an email from a listener named Brian who mentioned the uh, there's a black cat on the back of the album. Yes. So there's black cats hidden all over Derek Riggs' album covers. Yeah. And uh, we might talk about that more if we could do like a cover art episode. Yes. There's, like If you look at Killers, there's three black cats hidden on the cover art for Killers. Uh, on the back cover of Number of the Beast, there's a black cat next to Dave Murray. Twilight Zone single has a black cat laying on the bed. Somewhere in time, there's a black cat in the background. And uh, there might be more. Right? That's just ones off the top of my head. But it's a cool thing to search for if you're ever looking through Maiden yeah. cover art. It's kind of cool. Another cool thing about the uh, art and the packaging. I haven't actually compared this to the vinyl, but the CD mm. and the cassette that I have here. If you look at the live pictures inside, like the photos of the band, there's no overlap at all in the uh, photos. So they have separate photos. So if you bought the CD and the cassette, you get totally different band photos and stage photos and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool. Well, yeah. you got to have both. <laughs> You gotta have both. But it's a cool little thing they did for the fans, I guess. Just to... yeah. So, anyway. Awesome uh, cover art. Interesting. I love the cover art. Something we mentioned earlier, too. And people mm-hmm. might, have been, might be listening to this and be like, there's total overdubs. The whole album's overdubs. Because you've read yeah. everywhere that they like overdubbed it. Um, so everyone talks about that nonstop when you bring up Live After Death. And I've got a quote from Steve Harris. And he's talking about Martin Birch mixing the album. And he says, he would send us tapes... One track at a time, and we would listen to it and send it back to him with yeah or no written on the box. There were no overdubs done. Nothing added in the studio afterwards to make it sound better. Like you get on so many so-called live albums. These... Uh, wait, no. Like you get with so many so-called live albums these days. It was exactly as we did it on stage, warts and all, which is why it sounds so exciting. It was the real McCoy. But I did some digging and there's definitely some work done to it so <laughs> this is a perfect example for me to tell you what i did and for you to make fun of me Good. the audio of the video of the concert so the audio track from the video so yeah. if you're watching the live after death dvd yeah there's a few examples on there there's a press release that maiden put out when the dvd came out and says disc one contains the recording of the full 90 minute concert uh blah 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 and then it says the disc carries two sound options the original concert audio Specially mixed in surround sound by Kevin Shirley, plus the original stereo soundtrack by Martin Birch. They have a the original one that came out on the disc, and then they have the soundtrack remixed by Kevin Shirley, who didn't do much to it. He just kind of like mastered it. Yeah. So here's what I did. I ripped the DVD to an MP4 file yes. with the original audio track. Then I ripped it again with the remastered audio track. I opened up the two audio tracks that I ripped in an audio editing software, synced them up, used some audio filters and kind of matched the levels so that they both sounded approximately the same levels and volume. Yeah. I listened to the entire Live After Death with both tracks playing at the same time. And I just listened for uh, anywhere that the that there was like differences. Yeah. There's a few fixes in there. So <laughs> there's a few in- instances where you hear stuff like this. So this is a clip from Ace's High. And the first clip is from one version and the second clip is the same performance and everything matches except the vocals are changed. In this clip, I play the first, I play the second, and then I play them both at the same time. So you can hear that the vocals are changed. Yes. 
it's exactly the same performance, but there's there's definitely an overdub there of vocals. So I figured I was onto something, right? So that's the first song, and I'm like, oh man, I found like I found an overdub. So I was like, I'm just gonna go through, rip all the overdubs out, and make clips like this, and be like, here's the overdub, here's the overdub. But man, I went through the entire concert, and there's like there isn't really any there isn't I don't know why they did it. That's a really obvious one, but I listened to the rest of the songs, and I can't hear any other overdubs. So it's like 99.9 percent of it's exactly the same. So the video soundtrack is not really when you're watching the video. It's not really messed with very much. So if people are talking about the video, there's not much overdubs there. But that's definitely one, and I don't know why they did that one. It's yeah. weird. I'm, ne- I'm never. It's never going to be the same for me. But, My God, <laughs> <laughs> obscurity. But it's a uh, the, the overdub is clearly like from another live take. Like that's not a studio take. So I think what they did is they had all four of these Long Beach concerts recorded, and they patched in parts of songs from another live performance. You know what I mean? From the, so I think maybe they took that that piece yeah, of Aces High and like dropped it in. Yeah, this is also pre-digital, so yeah. like I mean, and everything's on separate tapes. So I yeah, think but they I mean, they could have been cutting it up. It could have been accidental. You don't even know, right? Like, uh, no, I think it's a it's an over, it's an overdub. Everything, just, all the guitars, every other instrument's exactly from the same thing. So I think they took a vocal, a few yeah. seconds of vocal from another live night, and uh, put it in. A lot of people online say this album is totally overdubbed all over the place. I think it's a more of like they cut and pasted from different performances, you know, fixed up stuff here and there. So it's all live, but I think it might be from multiple nights. So, you know, they patched in vocals from here and there. And they've been known to do this because when Rock and Rio came out, there was controversy about that doing overdubs. And Iron Maiden released a press statement about it. So the Rock and Rio event came on live broadcast TV. And if you compare that to the album, there's a couple examples of this. So if you listen to Fear of the Dark, the first time through, Bruce lets the crowd sing, and then listen to the album version. So I'll play, just listen to this one. This is from Rockin' Rio. Fear of the Dark, you! So he lets the crowd sing it when it came when it was live on TV, but on the album, Bruce is singing it. So they actually released a press statement about this and said Steve Harris said in an interview, he said, There's no overdubs on this live album. And he says, whatever. And then he says, uh, what has happened is I made an executive decision to cut and paste with the computer to put back in his live on the night vocals into parts where he was getting the audience to sing on some courses, on some lines on their own. The reason I did this was because in the cold light of day it sounds better with him back in there. Because sometimes the audience was either out of time or not quite loud enough. So I simply cut out parts of his vocal from the line before and pasted it in the next line, which is possible because it was a repetitive part. So all the content for Live After Death, I think, is from these live shows. And I think maybe they're like he's like they did in Rock and Rio. Mm-hmm. They're just pasting together. And it's pretty common for live albums. Led Zeppelin, the song remains the same. That's taken from three Madison Square Garden shows, uh, July 1973. And some of the songs in there are spliced together from three different nights. Like, they take the first part, the second. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you listen to bootlegs from the three nights from Madison Square Garden, you can hear the songs that are on the album are kind of, like, taken from different nights. So Maiden's not really doing anything unusual here. You know what I mean? So that was my conclusion, was that 
it's put together from nights. But then I stumbled onto one interview with Bruce Dickinson from hardradio.com. And they said, how many shows were recorded at Long Beach Arena for the Live After Death record? And Bruce Dickinson says, that record was assembled from three nights at Long Beach with different tracks being selected from different nights. It was also messed around with a bit. Some of the backing tracks were fine, but Adrian's guitar was out of tune on one or two songs. So we went in the studio in LA and did some guitar overdubs. And I think I even did some vocal overdubs on Run to the Hills and some other bits. Interesting. So, anyway, he basically, after all that I went through, Bruce basically came out and said uh, that they did work on it in the studio after. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just said this whole picture of like, you know, the 80s you with like thick room glasses <laughs> and like headphones and the vinyl player and you're smoking cigarettes. And then you just, you pause and you put it down and you put it out and you're listening intently and then the phone rings and it's like some kind of British accent. It's like, back off me. And I'm like, <laughs> hang up the phone on you. Yeah. I'm like, oh God, I'm, a, I'm onto a, a breaking scoop here. Oh my God. Like, do people care about You know too much. Like, I don't know. Well, I, people are always talking about yeah. the overdubs on this album. Yeah. So it's like a big thing, right? And that's the thing. Why though? It's, a, it's pretty raw. But yeah, and that's the thing that it's kind of like, what is a live album, Right. Because this doesn't really bother me at all, all this editing stuff. Like, what exactly is a live album? Is it like a snapshot of, like, one night of a band's career? Or is it supposed to, like, capture the live experience and, like, convey what the experience is like? Yeah. Because I think the second, like, Live After Death totally conveys what a Maiden concert's like. So I first got this album, and I listened to it on repeat, staring at the album photos and the pictures of the Eddie, you know, the huge Eddie, imagining what was going on while I listened to it. And you're just, and, like... It totally like conveys the energy and the feel of a show, right. and I don't really care if it's like messed around with. You always hear stories of like Kiss Alive. They listen to that live album, and it's kind of what like broke Kiss because the cover is like all their pyro going off at once, and they're in their makeup and their stage, you know. But that was completely like completely doctored in the studio. That's like not yeah. very live at all. It's kind of like those tracks and instruments and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's totally yeah. yeah. I mean, Kiss Alive too, even. The songs that they recorded in a sound check, and then they dropped audience loops over it. So the, what Maiden did isn't really... It's not rare, and I don't think it's very extreme for this kind of thing. Like like most live albums, like yeah. Kiss Alive is totally messed with in the studio. Judas Priest, Unleashed in the East, Halford admitted overdubbing most of the vocals for that, and that's a classic live album. You know the Guns N' Roses... Uh, Live Like a Suicide, like the first Side of the Lies album. Yeah. That's recorded in the studio and they just dropped audience noise over it. Like none of those songs are actually live. Thin Lizzy Live and Dangerous, their producer, he says ton of that. He said 75% of it's overdubbed. Uh, the band says it's less, but they all agree that there's like a lot of overdubs. Uh, I mean, you can think of countless examples. The Beatles, that Shea Stadium, Live at Shea Stadium, that... They overdubbed, they recorded a whole new audio track for that because they couldn't, you know, the screaming was loud and like the audio track was unusable and they just used the video and went in the studio and recorded a new track and laid over it. I mean, you know, it, it, I want a live album to make me feel like I'm at the show and that's what yeah. I want out of Live After Death and it's totally what you get. Yeah. So this whole overdubbing thing doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, I know. It's I don't know. I could go a lot of ways on this. Book of Souls, <laughs> I love the way that they did that, uh, the live chapter, if only because... Um, you know, I only have a few live albums too, right? Like I have in vivo, I have, um, you know, the 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 live the, the live chapter, and then um, God, I think I have another one. I don't have that many, yep. but anyway, um, and you know, I'm going to fill up my collection of vinyl now. Yep. But the the way the the live chapter did it was they went took a song from each area, but obviously they right. picked and a flight song. six six six. They did the same thing too. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. And they picked a guaranteed. They picked a song for each area that was awesome in that area. Yeah. And that's well, if you fair. record the whole tour, right, and then that's you can fair. just pick and choose your best recording. Yeah. Song. But I mean, any like like what do you, is your aspiration to be? Oh, exactly live. Well, a matter of life and death. They recorded it like a live album. Uh, they complain about Iron Maiden Killers uh, production quality. Then there's other albums which they did things separately. There was ones where they were getting so frustrated. He was getting so frustrated with his vocals, where you know he was storming and angry. Like yeah. everything has a process. Yeah. So, you know? like to me, a live album. Get it. If there's some studio editing, it doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah. So people like, but a lot of people it really bothers them. It bothers mm. them a lot. Well, they and got bootlegs for that. Exactly. But yeah. like a lot of people are like, this album's not live. That album's not live. Yeah, Derek Briggs. That was the second version of the cover. Yeah. You know, so they didn't do the first. Well, version here's of the cover. a good. They didn't do it live at the show. Okay, I got a great example. A great okay here's a little story yeah. this will sum up what i'm talking about so when i saw black sabbath last time i saw them so i started pre-partying in a hotel room went to a bar for happy hour after you know partying all day we went into this bar and like sat down in a booth that was half empty and we we're like because it was packed with people all in metal shirts i had a maiden shirt on of course went in we we're like can we sit here because there's a half empty booth and there's nowhere to sit down so we sat down with these strangers but we're all just talking about metal it turns out like these people i sat with like knew some of my relatives they're from like a small town next to like where my mom grew up so that was kind of funny and we kind of partied with them for a bit walked to the concert by the time i got to the concert i was in like the perfect state to see like black sabbath concert right i get in there a huge buzz on my mind's blown tony iomi blowing my mind i thought ozzy sounded awesome we're all screaming every lyric to every song and there's like pyro and lasers and lights going off so years later I was watching something on YouTube that had something to do with like Sabbath or something. And I'm like, man, I should see if there's any clips from this show that I was at. So I went on, found the, the, a whole bunch of people had stuff up there, started watching. I got like 10 seconds into my first clip and I was like, this is going to ruin my memory of the perfect Sabbath show because like it didn't sound that good. Yeah. Ozzy did not sound very good in this clip I started watching. I was like, no, that's not the way I remember it. Like when yeah. I was there, I remember it being awesome. Like just the state I was in, the crowd, the everything. It sounded, it was like the perfect Sabbath show. And I was like, if I watch this, it's going to ruin it. Yeah. So like your brain kind of like turns off and you just kind of, you know what I mean? You're caught up in energy and everything. Like think about the Manchester show or one of those two O2 shows that we just saw. Yeah. Like we're singing along, rocking out. If Bruce had to like flub the line or something, we wouldn't have noticed. You know what I mean? Or if someone, like we heard afterwards, people are like, oh, somebody messed up this guitar solo. And we're like, man, it sounded perfect to me. (laughs) Like we were just like rocking out. So I don't really care if they like fix something on a like if i had a yeah. bootleg of that sabbath show and it was all fixed up i'd be like yeah that's the way i remember it yeah. you know what i mean it captured what i remember what i got out of the concert yeah you want it to be good i mean you yeah. want it to be awesome yeah and even from a you know a quality perspective but i mean on on that per, on the, from that angle those clips you played there previously from aces high and from this album I, I gotta be honest i think they sound i think bruce specifically sounds better he sounded consistently better since his return to the band live yeah. than he did before and i think he paces his vocals way better like you just ace yeah. high there like you know you can you can see he's taking shortcuts vocally well we and, have bootlegs of these show of these yeah. past tour and the live albums and stuff and just goes to show how great maiden is now they sound better they sound ever better. live now yeah without that like grueling wear and tear on bruce's vocal cords that they that power that world slavery tour like inflicted on his throat you know what I mean? Like, I, I got a take on this. I think that Bruce sounds better now than he does on this album. I think the rest of them, 
Um, I think across the board, the recording on live albums is better now, but I have a feeling that that's largely related to equipment and quality of capture now. That could be too, yeah. A lot of that. One thing I would say against now, and, and maybe it's just because I'm looking back at the, you know, the set list is the earlier stuff, and it was a simpler time in a way. Um, I find that now their, sh- their shows um, feel a little busier musically yeah like, i just found like that you have the extra guitarist in there that's a that's a key piece and i wonder if martin birch had a lot to do with like why this album sounds the way it does absolutely so for me when i watched it i was like man there was a lot of like pauses and simplicity in it which i really thought was great yeah um and i love that but bruce to me not just his vocals he's he looks really cool and kind of badass and even has a few little bit of pipes going on there you know he's yeah. young bruce he's mid-20s yeah, but like now his stage presence is way better. His yeah. performance is better. If you notice in the video, he's doing this arm up in the air all the time. He's yeah. like, it's almost like a nervous twitch. Yeah. Now his stage presence is way better. Yeah. And um, there's even in the video a few points where he gets like annoyed. You can see him annoyed, like specifically um, at like forty six twenty. But he's like the Eddie walks over and he literally just pushes the Eddie. He's just like he's standing there. He's just like fuck off. Like yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle. And the Eddie kind of goes off. You know, and it, and it's just it's really interesting because I caught that. Like I paused it and rewatched it a bunch of times. He's just like he's he says to the guys like go away. Yeah, I know, I know the part you're talking about because that yeah. Eddie comes out and it's like you have some of the big lumbering Eddies come out on stage for uh, some tours. Sometimes like you have the one now where it's like really mm-hmm. almost agile and his face is all like you know they have a remote control they can control his face you know expressions and everything yeah. but this one is just like it's floppy it's just this flailing crazy yeah. eddie with it's these like spaghetti arms mummy. I know. <laughs> yeah that's just like mailed in yeah but there's this uh, i like it though it's cool but when bruce kind of tells him to you know get lost from power slave yeah because bruce but, is up on the riser right yeah and, he's yeah. on the riser but he's got that cool mask on oh yeah the feather Remember mask that? yeah 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 man i gotta say i love it but you know what it's it's it sounds crazy like people are fans who know them because so many people write us and I think the coolest message we get and we get it all the time is you got me back into Maiden or it's been too long or you re, re, made me start listening again. yes we got a few of, yeah. where people are like tons like got that. us into the later Maiden yeah. that they never they kind of gave up exactly but in. I mean objectively yes look when, when Live After Death came out I was like 6 or 7 years old yeah. I mean you know what's that that was like 30, yeah, I was in grade 5 that so. was like 33 years ago yeah right is that long Wow, yes, 33 years ago. And so it's that long ago. You know, I was six or seven, so fair enough. But I mean, objectively, sitting back, like, it's, it's an amazing album. But Maiden are so good now. It's oh, not I know. Like, it's yeah. not like we're saying, oh, go, it's, you know, uh, a nostalgia tour. Like, there yeah. literally are oh, a yeah. ton of tracks. I think Maiden is performing. If you see, him, if you see this Legacy of the Beast track Ace or show now, they're is, at the level that yeah. they were at at Live After Death. Ace is high is better. Revelations is notably yeah. better. Flight yeah. of Icarus is as good. Yeah. Um, and Number of the Beast is as good, maybe better. And I'm, I'll throw that out there. Hallow Be Thy yeah. Name is better now yeah. on this tour. Now, some of the other ones. So, like, just get into this um, album. Yeah. Like, starts off with Churchill Speech. Awesome yes. way to start a concert. Yeah. Awesome way to start the album. You can hear the, the crowd start to lose it when the speech comes in, and you hear that's yeah. the plain sound effects. Yeah, although I'm getting a little tired of that now. Yeah, but it's, it's so Think about me yeah. never ever hear, getting yeah. made an album, and I pop that on, and that's the first thing I hear, right? It's, it's awesome. Amazing. And then it kicks into Aces High, and like the version they do on this album, like uh, mm. Adrian's Whammy Bar Dives, it kind of sounds like fighter jets diving. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a great version of Aces High. 
So that's awesome. I also love Adrian's vo- background vocals. I don't know, maybe they were fixed up in the studio or something, but whatever, it just sounds awesome. So, and I, it's funny because this is like my first Maiden album. I haven't really listened to it that much over the last few years. And when I hear these versions, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's it's like I remember every single little vocal thing Bruce does, every little guitar lick. Like these are the versions of these songs for me. When I hear them, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, you know what I mean? Yeah. I have a different kind of relationship with these songs than I do with the studio versions. Hey, this is Linda from the Iron Maidens. Hi, this is Courtney from the Iron Maidens. And you're listening to Talking Talking Maidens. People complain about Bruce's vocals sometimes and say that they're rough on this, but I just love it. If you want perfect vocals, like you said, go to Flight 666 or any of the later albums. But Bruce is in the middle of a grueling tour, and his energy in this is great. And the band sounds so aggressive. They're, like, attacking the songs. And I just love, like, Bruce's little ad-libs. Like, check this out in uh, Revelations. These little things that he does. It's like he he can't wait for his vocal part to come up. I love those little ad-lib parts. It's great. And that's what I want in my live albums. I want the energy. And, like, you can tell he's just dying to sing. And he's, yeah. he's just, like, coming in. It's getting know. warmed up. I don't want a live album that sounds like the studio. I want this, right? There's uh, some of it in Flight of Icarus, too. There's this clip. the little singing part he does and I love that let it go it's so yeah, awesome that's, that's you know that's why I said it's it's almost as good because this is the best Flight of Icarus recorded in my mind yeah it's, it's yeah, I think it's one. It's probably the best recorded version of Flight of Icarus I agree one of my the favorites energy of it man yeah the um, my uh, brother-in-law is going to see them in Montreal for the first time Oh, it's and gonna he, blow was, his mind. he was talking to me, so I'm setting him up with the set list. Yeah, and I just, you know, I played him that last night where I'm the beer. I was like, "You're gonna get the, this is one of my favorite songs," and he got it right away. Like, oh, yeah. "Flight of Icarus" is just the kind of song that you know the first time you hear it, you love it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Amazing. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Um, right in the lead up to that, that uh, on the video that he talks about marijuana. Oh yeah, that's so yeah, and on the bootlegs too. Every night he does a different kind of speech variation on that. Yeah, it's funny. On the video, he's talking about like talking about the queen was smoking yeah. nights for her period pain. Or <laughs> yeah. Something. Anyway, yeah. and the uh, I love too in the video when they do the the amount of smoke that like billows out when they're in that slow part in the middle of Ancient Mariner. Yeah, it's so cool. I love it. Yeah, the sound effects too from the boat are great, right? Like they got that. One thing, do you ever notice yeah. uh, when they on this tour when they were doing Revelations when Bruce comes out with playing guitar? Yeah. He's not actually even playing anything. He's not playing. He's, he's like, it? I'm looking at his fingers and he's not even like, whole, he not even like making a, a chord. So I think it's just like a prop to get the crowd going or something. There's a funny, if you look at the, the first Rock and Rio 1985, if you look online, there's a clip of them doing Revelation where he has the guitar yeah. and he's doing that thing where he swings the guitar to get the crowd to go and he hits himself in the forehead 
And he, all this blood starts pouring down over his face. No way. And he uh, gets rid of the guitar and he's like singing the rest of the song with like blood on his face. Looks <laughs> yeah, really I, badass. I, thought, yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up, if there was some meaning behind it, but it's just a prop. Eh? I think it's just a prop. Like, yeah. I don't think it's even like doing even, anything. Does he, he doesn't even know how to play guitar, does he? Oh, yeah, he does. He said he wrote a bunch of songs on guitar. Yeah. When we're doing Tattooed Millionaire, he said he wrote a bunch of those songs. Mm. He won but, a guitar uh, in a raffle. the other thing on the video is when they do did you ever notice when they're going into the speech for number of the beast yeah there's that guy with a skull mask on yes comes out of the shadows i don't know what the story on him is yeah or who that is but uh and then you gotta mention that like the huge eddie that comes out of the sarcophagus when they pull the sarcophagus apart yeah and that big eddie comes out so i was actually up on a forklift and there's a guy like moving it no way yeah so it's uh it's it's pretty uh it's pretty cool. Anyway, the video is awesome. That was deadly. And like you said, with Hallowed Be Thy Name, I think this is also for me. I think this is like the version of Hallowed Be Thy Name for me too. It's the first one I heard, and I think if I think back, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I seem to remember that this was like my favorite song off of this album, like the first one that really grabbed me. The signs of time. For me, are running So this is like the version of Hallowed Be Thy Name for me. I just love it. Versus vocals. Yeah, everything about it. Yeah. Ah, oh, man, I gotta say though the the current version, like you know, I mean, pretty well consistent, but just the way with the news and everything, the, the stage props. Yeah. in The current version is. But awesome. this version is the first version I heard, and I've probably heard this I don't know how many times before yeah. I ever heard the studio version. Probably yeah. hundreds, to be honest. Like I listened to this when I got this tape. I listened to it so much. Yeah. So these ones were like imprinted in me as like the original ones to me. Yeah. And then when I heard the studio one, you kind of get used to the studio one. Then you go back to this and you're just like, oh yeah, this is, you know, it totally brings you back. I can totally remember like different things I was doing listening to this. Like I remember going on a trip with my dad in the car and sitting there and like having this on on the radio and be like trying to crank it up a bit because my dad was more into like, you know, Waylon Jennings. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like Jennings. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, he was not, a, my dad was not into metal. He was into like folk metal, folk music and that old like outlaw country stuff. Yeah. So, but then I remember playing this and like gradually like kind of cranking up in the car and I remember being like, I had this up half loud and it was like an hour drive and I didn't yeah. really want to be going but I was going anyway so he just kind of let me listen to my music and I remember sitting there being like, ah, oh, it's awesome. This is awesome. And that was right when I first got the tape too. I remember the inside of the car, I remember everything about it. It's just like, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty it's such a good album. Pretty pretty deadly uh, tune to get going. And like I say, if you have a friend who's never been into Maiden, it's the perfect intro. Yeah, it is. It is. It, you know, the only the only thing is, is it is a live album. So some people are, you know, that's true. You know, like because I'm having that debate right now. So my brother in law, I'm going to make the list for him. I'm going to make the list with studio albums. So yeah, then probably. He goes live. Yeah, you know, that's true. Um, I like listening to studio album for set lists. Um, my one of my well, I, the two key takeaways. One I already said, but the quality of them now blows my mind when I listen to this. Oh yeah, the, um, yeah. That they're still so good. Yeah. Because this is objectively amazing, but they're pretty well almost there now. 
As a matter of fact, there's certain tracks that I think are better now. Yeah. And this the second piece is these guys do not age. Like they do age, but they don't age that oh, much yeah, for I know. 33 years. Yeah. Like I meet guys in high school and it's 15 years later and I'm like, my God, what happened to you? Yeah. And these guys are like 33 years and the only difference is, is Dave is smiling a little more. You know, <laughs> yeah. like they, they more or less, you know, look look the same. Oh, yeah. Differences. Yeah. Bruce so, cut his hair. <laughs> that's about yeah. it. Yeah. But it's, I know what you mean. Like It's unreal. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy how good they are. And that's why I say Maiden is the best metal band on the go, man. They're unreal. One of the best bands of all time. Of all that's time. why we did a podcast on them. That's why we did. So this is a long one. but This is a long one. But I didn't really want to break it up into two because I don't want to be getting into... I know we get into like two, three, four episodes sometimes when yeah. we cover albums. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think this one would take this long. But but we and we got a busy schedule coming up too. Yeah. So um, on the way out... You play a little bit of a guitar solo, perhaps. We might fade it out. Yeah. We'll judge based on the episode size. Talkingmaiden.com slash talk. 90 seconds. Go in there and uh, get your message to us. Right. Try and keep it as structured as possible. Yeah. Check us out on Facebook. I'll be posting the beer videos. Yeah. I'm going to post that album cover on there. Oh, yeah. We're on Twitter, too. Yeah, we're on Twitter as well. Yeah. So, uh, and on Facebook, we're Talking Maiden Podcast. Same thing on, on Twitter. We're just... Talking Maiden on Twitter. Yeah, Talking Maiden. At Talking Maiden, but Talking Maiden Podcast is the title, yeah. Okay. So whatever. But anyway, um, go to our website, TalkingMaiden.com. Send us an email um, if you want to get in touch. Yeah. And uh, until next time, up the irons and down the hops. Yeah.